the pitch. Swing and a base hit to left center field. And Camellia's going to score. This game is over. On an RBI hit by Mickey Poole. Thanks for taking the time to download and listen to the Philadelphia Baseball Review Podcast. I'm Patrick Gordon, founder and executive editor of the Philadelphia Baseball Review. Our mission is to cover baseball at all levels throughout the Philly region, with a particular focus on promoting the amateur, high school, and college ranks. Our aim is to tell the untold baseball stories across the Quaker City. So please be sure to follow me on Twitter if you're not already at PGordonPBR. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you may be listening. Also, leave us a review. And be sure to visit PhiladelphiaBaseballReview.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. Now, let's get into today's show. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Pat Gordon, Philadelphia Baseball Review. Joined here tonight with a good friend of mine, Chris Stasek, uh, representing Angels, the Center for Athletes in Motion, uh, here to talk about basically state of the union for amateur baseball, what's good in the local scene, what's bad in the local scene, uh, some tips and things that young athletes can be thinking about, and parents also uh, potentially to work through high school and college ball. And we just want to have a good baseball conversation. So, Chris, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Good, Pat. Things are things are good. Looking forward to uh, a little bit of a uh, little more sunshine, a little warmer weather. Looked like got a little tease of that. Now we're uh, we're back to a little bit of a chill. Yeah, it's definitely uh, yo-yo weather, if you will. You know, it's been yeah, uh, sure. we had a couple nice days, and then it's just been dreary and whatever. But yeah, things are things are cooking on the local scene. We're recording this on the twenty fourth, which means. Tomorrow, Friday the 25th, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, PIAA opens up. High school games will be kicking off. And, uh, yeah, it's a fun time. you got the college season full, uh, fully in gear. Uh, conference pr- play is is starting for many schools, uh, which is cool. And then you got the Phils, obviously, down in Clearwater, bumbling around and figuring things out and uh, a couple new additions <laughs> down there. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun in a couple weeks up here at Citizens Bank Park. Should be buzzing, for sure. <laughs> Lot, so, lot Chris, to talk about. <laughs> yes, yeah, that there is. That there is. So, Chris, first off, let the listeners know. Angels, uh, the Center for Athletes in Motion, walk me through what that is, uh, your involvement, and sort of how that ties into the Philadelphia baseball community uh, as a whole. Sure, Pat. Um, so, Angels, the Center for Athletes in Motion, was was really spawned off uh, my partner Con Aquilante, who uh, has run the Angels baseball program for. I think the last 20 plus years uh, serving, you know, multiple counties here in the, in the Philadelphia community. He's a legend. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's got kids that come from, you know, all over and all over the years he's, he's had a, a good mix of good character as well as uh, good athletics and really built a unique product. And uh, I guess I met Con about eight years ago and uh, we forged a really unique relationship. He's coached my boys and we got, talking on a variety of things and he has a passion for really developing players uh both physically mentally um as well as you know the game of baseball uh using the game of baseball to help on the other the other attributes so we started a company called uh hey, well it's short is angel's aim it's center for athletes motion the idea is really understanding what um, an athlete's ability and inabilities are right so right. what does that mean you know, when you get out of the, the little league and you get into the high school, you've got, you know, boys for the most part that are going through puberty. They're starting to develop their 
not necessarily as coordinated. They're learning how to basically use their, their body at a whole nother level. And, and the key is a lot of kids generally will fall off. Right. Um, they'll, they'll start to retract because the diamond gets bigger. And I think one of the things is they, they don't understand how to develop their, their body, how to use their kinetic chain to enhance their shortcomings, sure. right, athletically. Um, and when they start to see gains in that, it starts to build confidence and allows them to kind of grind through that process. And that's some, one of the things that we do is we'll look at an athlete and figure out where they are, right? What is their, you know, uh, their range of motion, right? What, what can right. they do, um, you know, from a, from a hip mobility? Uh, how, do we, how do we improve their hip mobility? How do we strengthen their core? How do we help them become a better athlete right? so that they can translate that into, uh, in this case, baseball? Now, are, are these translate through? Are, are these primarily high school students, or um, you know, a little bit younger or older? How how does it work age wise for you guys? Yeah, so so right now, I think our youngest is twelve. Um, we've got kids that are eighteen, nineteen. We have some JUCO kids uh, through the program through the winter. We trained about forty seven kids. Wow, um, I think it was about sixty five two hour sessions. So lots of lots of work. Um, good physical core strength conditioning, um, not weightlifting, right. but, you know, physical body resistance, uh, flexibility, really working on those small muscle fibers, right? Everybody right. wants to look big and it's easy to go to the gym and throw around some weights, but um, a lot of that stretching, a lot of, um, you know, body resistance doesn't appear to be much, but over time, you start to build that up, you start to change the routine, the body really develops. Right. which is really, really awesome. Now, have you been able to work in any relationships with some of the local high schools or, uh, you know, how's that working for you guys? Yeah. So it's really, really interesting. Um, you know, we've got kids from, you know, Bucks County. Um, we've got kids from Chester County, Delco, uh, Montgomery County, all through the one program that we were able to do some work with on a larger scale was uh, Devon prep. Um, right. We, I guess we had about maybe 10, 12 kids from there that trained with us this winter. Um, but we haven't, you know, we haven't solidified or uh, wrapped any sort of relationship to a particular program. Sure. Which I think kind of is good. Um, having, a, having a blend of kids, different talent, different uh, backgrounds is what kind of helps breed and, and, and help that learning process. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's so important to, and, and you know, in Philadelphia – you know, you know this, Chris, it's a, you know, you have a lot of schools that are the haves and then you have also a lot of schools that, you know, for lack of a better term are the have nots and trying to make sure, and I know Khan does a great job of this, trying to make sure that accessibility, right. That even though you may be going to a school where, you know, it's not really a baseball powerhouse, if you will, maybe a public school here in Philadelphia. Um, and you may not have the financial wherewithal to even think of a place like angels, uh, the center for athletes in motion, it's just cool that you guys are out there and getting word out like, hey, you know, we, we're not just with Devon Prep or, or with some of the schools that may be on the bit more uh, higher income side, if you will, that you're that you're looking to kind of help everybody. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we've got kids from William Tennant. We've got kids from CD South. Um, you know, we've got kids from Wood. We've got kids from uh, we've got kids from LaSalle, GA, right. Devon, um, you, you know, you, you, Radnor, um, you know, kids from Ridley. You know, so um, I think we've done a great job in, in kind of getting it out there. Look, the program's not for everybody. Right? Sure. It's 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 a little more unique. It's it's a little more demanding. But, you know, that gets into, you know, 
a whole nother level of conversation, but you know, we have means and we have programs for um, those that are in need, you know, financially. So yeah. there's, there's things that we do to, to assist them to, to basically not shut them out because it's, you know, you just straight can't afford it. Right. And then how about uh, students that have gone through your program? You know, where have, have some of them gone or, or are, are there still some in college that you're working with right now? You know, how does that look? So if I'm a high school parent looking to maybe get my son involved, you know, what are some of the next steps or things I can look for potentially, you know, after they're, you know, working with you guys? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've had kids go, um, to Juco take a fifth year. We've had kids, um, you know, very, very successful that have landed themselves in really solid, you know, D1 programs, D2, really quality D2 programs, D3 programs. Um, right. You know, looking looking back, looking at last year's class, um, you know, we have a kid that went to Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got we've got a really solid pitcher that went to uh, Hamilton. Um, we've got a, a kid that's at RIT right now as a freshman at starting. Uh, we've got a few kids that have gone to Millersville. Um, could go on and on, you know. Right. Um, in the history of, of even pre-Angels aim, you know, you look at what Connor Galante has been able to do with the Angels. Yeah. You know, he's had kids that have been wildly successful that have made it to the show. Um, so it's the, – the neat the neat thing is it's an angel now, an angel for life. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily understand that. And I think over the last nine years I was able to. But sure. seeing some of these kids that have gone on um, to, you know, even the pro level um, have come back. And it's cool to see them walk in and they've – got their gear on and uh, usually yeah. it's their angels gear which <laughs> kind of scratch my head you know you're you're at the show but they're they're in the cage taking hit you know taking, right. taking reps with kids and pulling them off to the side and answering questions and you know just just down to earth good quality learning experiences and i think that's that's really really what makes us a little a little unique well and that's one of the really great things and i harp on this in every podcast and everywhere i go the the baseball community here in philadelphia and the region, you know, you mentioned solid D2 and D3 programs, and there's just so many of them in this area. And, you know, that's why I was curious about the relationships, because I'm sure college coaches are aware of, hey, this this guy's with the Angels. That carries some weight. You know, it isn't just another AAU program or another travel program. This, you know, what, what you and Khan and, and others have developed there is something, you know, it's special and it means something. And uh, I think you're 100% right with you know, hey, th- this means something when players come back, you know, and they've made the show and they could big time people, but they don't because they're they're people of character and, you know, angel for life, like you said. Yeah, the, the program's really built, you know, on, on character, right? You need to understand and build your brand. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, the, the game's an incredible game. It teaches you so many things about life, right? It all ends. Yeah. You know, for, for some ends sooner than later. Um, and for some, they get it, they get the ride of their life. Yep. Um, but the, the idea is, is learning about yourself through the game and, and maximizing that. And I think when, when you look at the program and you, and you look at the legacy of the program, um, people know the caliber of person that they're going to get, mm-hmm. you know, talent is overrated, right? There, there's plenty of talent, uh, that's not willing to work hard. Yep. You know, there, I've seen plenty of kids grind it out and outperform and, 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 you know, beat what I think are more physically talented kids. I mean, there's a great story from the fall. You know, we were playing, I think, in our final, our final event. Um, 
you know, we won, I guess, two games in a row on a Sunday, right? You're going to go there to win the plastic trophy. But, uh, you know, in the end, we had we had one senior on the field. And we had all underclassmen. Um, you had a star, you had a starting wow. first baseman that was an eighth grader, a rising eighth grader, right? Think about this. Rising eighth grader. You had a second baseman who was a freshman. You had a shortstop who was a senior. Third baseman was a freshman. The catcher was a freshman. The pitcher was a senior. You had two juniors excuse me, two sophomores and a junior in the outfield, and we beat a junior college team. Wow. We played fundamental baseball. We outworked. We out-hustled. Every kid was bigger, stronger, but we played fundamental baseball, uh, and it was exciting, you know, and, and it's a unique experience. Right. Now, that, that idea of fundamental baseball, um, you know, at the amateur level, I, I don't think it takes a genius to look around and see that, Sadly, the sport's bleeding. It's it's bleeding a lot. And whether you look at little league enrollments or you look at uh, attendance at games, uh, you know any metric you want to look at, uh, baseball seems to be in trouble. Why is that, Chris? Why do you think children today are a not very interested in the game, but b um, not even playing it or or um, you know not continuing to play it up through um, you know little league? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I wish I had the answer because I probably could make a fortune. <laughs> we um, all could, you know, yeah. Just just in popping what the secret is, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I'm father of four. Um, my oldest is 15. My youngest is eight. You know, I look at the kids that he hangs around with. I look at the kids in the community, the community programs, and you know, etc. There's there's a ton of offerings, right? Yeah. Yep. I think I think when I look back at my own experience, um, it was seasonal sport, right? Like. You kind of played the in-season sport. There wasn't as many um, really AAU-type program, club-type program, year-round training-type of facilities. If there were, there weren't, wasn't by me. Right. Um, there's so much more of that. And I think what's happening is you've got kids that are picking sports. You've got parents to a certain extent that are, are trying to relive dreams. Yeah, uh, living vicariously through their kids, yeah. Truly, um, yep. you know, Timmy can't play on this team because he doesn't like Tommy or, you know, he's not going to get enough playing time. And everybody's enamored by the process, even at the younger level. It is um, scary. And I think the other thing is like parents of younger kids right now, they, they seem to be enamored by the social component. Yeah. Like we'll play baseball if we're with these this group of people. This is our traveling friend group. And then, right. you know, so we're going to be around them. This is what's going to happen. And it's, it's really, really unique. Um, I don't know exactly, but you know, you look, look at all the digital device, right? Look at all the digital devices, right? You yeah. know, when was the last time you saw a newspaper? I mean, you've, you've got a young kid. When was the time you see all newspaper and you're able to open the, the sports page and rock through the box stores? Look at who's they're not even in there. It wasn't anymore. on a phone. Yeah. They're not like, I could still remember my kids opening the paper, you know, my mom and dad, I grew up down the shore and used to deliver the press. That was the first thing I did when I was folding the newspapers was I was opening a box score. Yeah. You know, Chris, I, checking out. <laughs> it just doesn't happen anymore, right? Like, no, I, I remember high phone. I remember yeah. in high school, we would, um, we'd be playing fantasy baseball and I'd be the commissioner. And this is in high school, right? And so I'd have one of those big books that, accountants would use right for like all those little yeah. boxes I, I don't even know the, the ledger name of the paper book. a ledger, ledger paper, paper right? <laughs> and i would sit there and each at the end of each week i would tabulate each team's each of our fantasy team's standings and and you know how many runs and rbis we had and we were doing rotisserie style of course and i would go through i think it was sports uh, not sports uh, the sporting news 
and a box scores each week and tabulate them, right? Or I would pull baseball weekly and get the weekly stats and do it that way. And it was, I don't, I know I'm a weirdo with this stuff, but like, I loved it. Like it was like, I could spend hours doing it. And uh, you're right. Like you pick up a phone now, it's not the same. You, You look at the box score. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't read the same way. I'm also a goofball. I, I have old newspapers from uh, the first issue of Baseball Weekly up framed on the wall with Ricky Henderson. I got a drawer full of uh, just a lot of Baseball Weeklies from the 90s. And like, you know, I'm bored or sitting on the couch. I'll grab one and just flip through it and uh, live through, you know, the, the 90s <laughs> and what was going on in, in baseball. For a dollar, it was such a ton of great info in that Baseball Weekly. But it's so different, right? Kid, kids is. can find out. They don't have to watch the game, right? No. Like they can do 10 different things and find out the scores. I mean, I was sitting down with my son last night and he was logging into the MLB and he's like, Dad, what, what should I do here? I go, well, <laughs> select the teams that you want to follow. He's like, well, do I want, you know, condensed games? Do I want lead changes? I'm like, why don't you just pick a team that you really want to follow? Right. Pick, pick a team that the two athletes are on that you really like and follow them. Like yeah. tr- you don't have to get the news on everything. Right. I think that's really the difference, right? Everybody's looking for the highlight. Like I can't tell you the last time I heard kids talking about, you know, a guy making a run or, or the way a guy played the game. It's like, did you see the bat flip? Did you see him hit it? Yeah. Did you see this guy yeah. do that? Like the highlight reel, I think has hurt the game a bit because kids automatically assume they're looking at it visually and saying, wow, look, look at, you know, look at Harper, look at Tatisa, look at, you know, look at Freddie Freeman, like, holy smokes. And they get up and they can't replicate it. And it's immediate no. defeat and they don't know how to deal with it because yeah. they're pushing the reset button when they lose on the video game and it starts over. Well, I hate you know, when my son and, does that. In rec ball, it doesn't happen that way. No. Right? When you, when, you get to, when you get to high school and you bomb your child, it doesn't work that way. Right. You know, look at I – know, I know it's not baseball, but look at Kobe Bryant, right? You know, the youngest kids to play in the in the basketball league his first year he had zero points. Yeah. Right. It was, it was an epic fail. The best thing that fail did was motivate him to, to practice all the things that he couldn't do to make him better. Yeah. Kids nowadays are just move on to the next thing. So, you know, little Timmy and Tommy couldn't 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 replicate what's on TV. They're frustrated. The game's boring. It's slow. Mom and dad don't want to watch it because not enough action. I think I think it takes away from the game a bit. You know, it takes kids away from participating, which hurts the levels up. When you're younger, there's you can find a roster if you can buy if you can pay, right? Like yeah. everybody wants twelve kids because it's super easy and manageable. And as you try trade up, all of a sudden it changes a bit because the talent level. You know, right. I think what you're seeing is there's so many programs. In the, yeah. in the expansion of programs, I don't know if the quality's there at all of them. No, it, it really makes it, it makes you wonder. I know basketball, you know, AAU has to, you know, th- there's always issues with this where, you know, is this just um, almost like a pyramid scheme, you know, or am I paying you just to play somewhere and, you know, it's helping your program look better. But me as the player, I'm not getting any better. I'm not getting the exposure I should. Um, yeah, it really makes you wonder, you know, you, you sign up, you pay these thousands of dollars to go participate in a tournament somewhere. Um, you know, you may get a patch or something or a bat bag, but you know, are you better for it? And, uh, you know, I don't know if the answer is always yes to that. So it's, it's become less about the process and and more about the show. 
Yeah. Right? Like, when was the last time you drove past the field? Any field. Take a park. Yeah. Kids playing catch. Kids, kids uh, you know, pick up game after school. I mean, when I was a kid, we all knew that we were meeting at the park. I mean, we played at the Senior Citizens Park, and they put up rocks and trees and everything and we just made them defenders like we yeah. had to navigate around because that's where we wanted to be and you knew you were there until it got dark um nowadays it's like yo, you gotta get out of the house go do something you know yeah i, I don't know if my kids i'm my oldest does but my youngest i don't know if he could play a game of rundown like <laughs> as a kid that grew up on the beach man like right dig two holes everybody that wants to play let's go and you know you're gonna play sort of a rundown monkey in the middle right like I don't know. We challenged everybody at everything. Yeah, the we were. Now I don't think is the same. No, and and uh, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, you know, in a row home, we had a driveway behind us, and there was about ten to fifteen of us. And every day during the summer, from you know about ten a.m. till four p.m., it was stickball, and that's what we would do. And then for the majority of us, once we were done playing stickball, we would then go. And we would have our in-house and travel games. And, and yeah, we would sprinkle in the occasional football game or uh, we would do hockey, obviously. Um, but <laughs> baseball was sort of our our thing. And, I, you know, again, it's a little bit different. I live up here in Warrington. And, you know, obviously there's no driveways or anything like that. And there's a lot more opportunities. But I see – I think last year living here, I think I saw the kids playing stickball or, or a variation of wiffle ball or baseball in the street maybe like three or four times. And, you know, the one time I ran out there, I was like, ho, 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 I'm, I'm going to pitch, guys. Like, I want to enjoy this with you all. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let me in this game right now. Um, but it's sad. Like, it just, it, it doesn't happen. And, you know, it's funny. You mentioned with the MLB app, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, well, on one hand, like, and I subscribe. Like, I have obviously the MLB.tv and X ratings package. Like they got me hook, line, and sinker. I'm on all that stuff. But yeah, the condensed game stuff, it's good because, yeah, all right, maybe people that won't watch baseball will flip through and, and you know, watch the, the real quick stuff and the highlights. But on the same hand, I have to think that some of these people are the same that are complaining the game's too long or complaining that there's not enough action. Well, it's, it's arguably the best theater around it is right? and people want There's, to make it the red zone on the the nfl and it's not <laughs> it's not it'll never be you can't no. take away what's about to happen you know there's a mindset that takes place and, and when you watch the condensed you're missing all those things totally you're missing that the plays that happen to get to this particular point and, and yeah you know it's it's hard i mean i you know I, I don't know i've taken my kids to you know ton of Phillies games, you know, through, through good and bad. And sure. You know, when I was younger, we left early because it was a long drive home. My dad wanted to beat the traffic for me. Yep. We're staying forever. <laughs> Stay you know, like, yep. sir, you guys got to get out of the park. I'm like, they just want to enjoy another minute, mm -hmm. you know? And, and my kids love it. Yeah. But most, most are, are different. Right. I mean, and think about how, like when you were a kid, and, and and I think this is part of the problem. Back to the original question, I know we've kind of digressed, but like, who didn't want to be Ricky Henderson? Yeah, who didn't who didn't want to go steal bases? Go ahead, walk me. Go ahead, hit me. I'm going to score. Right. Right. That mentality, or hey, who didn't want to be Pete Rose? Sure. Right. Like, Pete was incredible, but Pete was a grinder. Yeah. 
one hundred percent. Everybody would have been Michael Jack Schmidt, right? I mean, who who didn't posture that way when you pop one with the stick ball or the wiffle ball? I mean, you, right. you know, you were there, but like, yeah. kids don't emulate the same thing anymore. No, they they don't. It's you know, I remember mentioning some some really big players, Hall of Fame type players, to some children I was coaching last year, and they were. Wait, who who's Ozzy Ozzy Smith? Who's Ozzy yeah. Smith? Do I go to I school with him? Wizard. Do I go to school with him? No, you don't go to school with him. Um, you know, and I, I it, it's just it's so upsetting. And um, you know, on the flip side though, uh, I've kind of changed a bit, Chris. I used to be, I hated the flair, right? I you know, Tim Anderson and some other guys in my mind originally, there's no room for bat flips and, and all the showing off and stuff. And then you know, look, I've kind of come to the conclusion, look, let them have fun. And if they're having fun, my hope is that others will see them playing the game, having fun. And yeah, maybe, uh, you know, some of it is over the top, but there's so many good major league ball players, uh, whether it's Anderson or Jazz Chisholm or Tatis or Guerrero, uh, the list goes on that, that you can look at and play with some flair that, you know, can get you excited. And, um, you know, that's the one knock everyone has about Trout, right? I mean, he's a local guy, obviously. Um, he's probably he's going to go down as one of the best of all time. For sure. He's just great at what he does, and there's very little flair. And, you know, Major League Baseball talks about having an image problem, and, you know, I, I don't know how you solve that. Um, you know, Trout's a great player. He does what he does, but there isn't a whole lot of flair in that. No, but there's plenty of people that can appreciate that, right? It's a, yeah. You know, you look at the size of the of the league. You look at the size of the rosters, right? You look at the number of games they play. There's an attractant for that style, mm-hmm. right? Not everybody liked the David Ortiz, yeah. You know the, you know, or or the Tatis, right? Like there's there's plenty of styles. Like I love Dudley, right? You know, yeah. Him sliding and taking out. Um, Oh, the name escapes me there. The, on the With Dodgers. the Mets, yeah. Or, yeah, the Mets, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just that was the way the game was played. I mean, that's how I grew up. Right. I grew up watching that style. You know, now, I mean, you know, with some of these things I want to change, I mean, why not just go ahead and put a <laughs> put the softball bag in at first so nobody has to touch each other? Well, you know they're bigger you know, bases like, next year, I think, right? Yeah, I'm hoping when they get past uh, some of this, maybe the social distance bag will come back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I just don't get that one. Um, I don't again, either. I don't it's about either. money, right? It's about guys playing for bigger money. Like, what kind of contract does a Pete Rose get today? Uh-huh. What, <laughs> you know, what is a Tug McGraw worth? Uh, yeah. No, you excellent know? questions. I, 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 uh, I don't even – I don't know. You know it's ridiculous I mean, money. It's – it would be insane. I mean, I, I just finished watching the uh, the thirty on thirty, and I, I know we're in Philly, and we talk about the Mets. That you know, once upon a time in Queens, yeah, like that was the man, four part series that. one, right? Yeah, watch yeah, that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's you know, eighties baseball at its finest, right? Love I mean, it. yeah. Don't look at me wrong. You mm-hmm. know, like lots of you know, just you know, it's just lots of pride, right? I mean, we're we're in a city that know literally loves his sports teams i mean super blue collar city guys get behind them ups and downs and ride them in and out of town but you know there's a style of play that's expected here absolutely and i think that style's getting away from the youth like when we were younger everybody wanted to be like one of the guys in philly yeah 
now it's like, well, I, I like the guy in California a little bit better, <laughs> you know, or, you know, it's just, it's different, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different kids. I, I just think the technology has, has pulled them away and, you know, kids are so used to immediate satisfaction or gratification and, and this sport doesn't give it to you, it beats you up, right? The lessons that are right. learned aren't always realized until later in life. It's well, just so much to handle later in life. Well, and that is one thing in, in my research and, and constantly talking to experts and, and whether it be professional players or agents or coaches, whatever it may be, this concept of, well, baseball sort of has this apprenticeship idea where, you know, if I'm an athlete going to college, let's say, or if I'm a younger athlete and I know I have some skill and I can position myself either to play basketball or baseball or football, that the other two, baseball or basketball and football, may be the easier route for me to become a professional at some point, as opposed to baseball, where you know you have the apprenticeship idea. You're going to the minors for a few years, and you're not going to make any money uh, whatsoever. And I feel like yeah. that too may be something that, you know, sadly some youth look at and say, "Well, you know, the money's in football and and basketball, and that's where I can become a pro. So therefore, I'm turning my back on baseball." And it's so unfortunate because the fact is you know, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of these children are making it pro in any of that stuff. Right. I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's such a small number and yeah. it's such a longer run or a longer ride to the show, right? Getting drafted out of high school and getting to actually get to the show quicker is far more difficult sure. in baseball In basketball. I mean, it, it can happen, right? I mean, we've seen it numerous times. Yeah. You, know, you look at football, they only got to play what two years of college. You know, yeah. and they can go. Um, you know, hockey, they can go early too, right? Yeah, but absolutely. Baseball's a longer ride. It's a different journey. It's a different athlete. It you is, know, yeah. It's just a completely different athlete. Now, it's, uh, now, I was going to say, now, if you are a parent and, you know, you're in a position, you know, similar to how you are with your oldest, right? And your son is a decent ball player, right? They're They're, they're pretty good. And you say, all right, look, there could be some potential here for him to, you know, maybe go to college on a scholarship and maybe even beyond, right? How would you advise them to go about looking at travel programs? There's so many in the area. You know, you have the generals, you have the bandits, you have the angels. There's there's dozens of them in the area, and a lot of them are solid. But how would you go about looking at the different programs, seeing what would be a good fit for me? Boy, that's such a loaded question. So um, it, it's it's unique to each and every person, right? So every every kid's got a different um, a different goal. And I think I think the big thing is you got to take a step back and you got to realize what is what is the player, what is the child, what what do they want, right? right. Okay, I'm in high school. I want to play college ball. Okay, cool. Let's go find a program um, that's going to meet that, right? What are you looking for in a program? Well, I want to just I want to have as much fun. I want to play as much baseball as I can. I want to travel around. There's some, there's some programs that do that. They do a yeah. very good job, right? Um, I think as a parent, you want to understand the program, right? Uh, youth sports is a big business, big business, and and pro, these travel programs are not cheap. No, but you need to understand what you're getting, right? What kind of instruction are you going to get? What's their what's their future plan? You know, how are they going to help you at the next phase? Where Where is their, um, where's their sweet spot, right? What What do they do well? Right. You know, is it a, 
was in a high school game the other day. And I was listening to a coach of, of a local travel team that I, I know we, we play in the summer. And, you know, I'm listening to them talk about all the places they're going to go. Um, parents seemed super jazzed. Like, oh, it's going to be a great trip. And the rest never <laughs> once really heard about, like, what kind of competition they were looking forward to playing. Right. Whether yeah. it was a showcase, what kind of colleges were going to be there. So I think it really depends. I mean, you know, I'm very, I don't say jaded because my, my vision, my journey, the way my son's looking at it is very different than others. Um, and I think the program he plays for is lined up with that. Right. And, you know, others, I mean, there's some people that go to certain programs and they're there and then they're on to the next program. And, you know, parents like to be enamored by the process. That's the mm -hmm. one thing I've learned. Like, Hey, my kid's talented. No, I, I, I can see that. Um, but I'm not willing to like bend over backwards and, you know, give everything away for you. Like, right. You know, what, what happens? I think the thing that gets lost is what happens when you, when you leave the high school program and you go to the, or the, the, the summer club program and you leave and you have to go to college for the first time and you're, you're one of 32 kids. Yeah. Right. Easy when you're one of 12. Yeah. From a, right. from a Jack smaller pool, you know, a, a local regional place. Yeah. A, a lot of times high school is the first time they get to that. Yeah. Their younger programs are all smaller in nature. They get to high school, high school, depending on where you go. Uh, the talent pool could be, you know, pretty, pretty wide from, from a gap, from a top to a bottom. Sure. It could be, could be solid. Right. And, and you might find out that you're just a mediocre player. Um, I think with a lot of the programs and, and the thing that, I hear a lot is these guys love to go all over and travel, which is great. It's a great experience. Um, the thing that, that changes that is I get to see some really good talent, right? Like I'm going to go somewhere and right. I'm going to play against these kids and go, whoa, like my kids, is, you know, not me, me, but you know, my kids a stud uh, here. And we just went down and we played this team like, whoa. Right. You know, like that was, you know, that, that, that group had some talent, you know, and, and it's pockets, right? Northeast talent's different than Southern talent. 100 you know, percent absolutely yeah people don't want to believe it till you go and play you know and you go whoa man like it's different but you've got to find a program that meets your needs right you got to find a program that um is going to help make your kid better you've, you've got to know what you're looking for for each right so so for each child right what, what is the goal do you want them to develop do you want them to play around uh, when I say play around, play around lots of teams, play around high caliber talent. Do you want to travel and just go to showcases? Do you want to compete to win banners and trophies every weekend? Like, you've got to understand what that process looks like because there's a lot of programs, and each program is slightly different. There's right. some that go to perfect game and PBR all the time, and, and they're good exposures. Right? Sure. But it's a different style program. Do you want to? Do you want to work and grind and develop? Do you want to work on all the things that you're you're not good at to get better? Not everybody wants to do that. So there's programs that, you know, maybe get together once or twice and then go play. And then if you're not available, we'll grab somebody else. Is that a team that you want to be on? Right. You know, and then, and then again, when you get to, get to high school, it's the first time you really got to grind and work your spot. You know, mom and dad can't go down there and, and buy your starting spot. You know, I, I, I kind of joke all the time, like, youth programs, if you, if you put it out there, I, parents would pay extra to pick the position, pay extra <laughs> for where they'd bat in the lineup and probably pay extra if they could sit closer to the dogout. They probably um, would. At times I've, I, I've I, seen it. 
some of the parents I've encountered, I I believe it, and it's it's sad because it takes so much of the the fun out of it, you know. Um, the the fact that well, hold on, can I can I throw you a few extra bucks and make this happen or that happen, you know? It's, and we're it's, we're joking about it, but I'm, I'm not like I've heard legitimate stuff like that. No, happening. it's tr- it's it's legitimately true. I mean, yes. I, I can remember a year ago where we played a local program, and the program. The program lost. It was a good game. They lost, right. but they got they got beat up a bit, right? Score wise, um, they just they weren't crisp, and they had some talent. And we had to play them the next day. And I think half the kids were from two different other travel teams, right? <laughs> so like, that's that's the question. Like, what are you looking for? Right. You know, we were, you know, I was I was, I was somewhere recently and watching a high school practice and. You know, another program's coming in afterwards, and I see this guy in the corner from the the program getting ready to get onto the turf there, starting to talk to some of the kids, and just kind of shaking my head, like, what, what could this possibly be? I see the coach go over there, and then I see, like, some body language that was slightly different. And then I said something to the coach afterwards, like, hey, what was that all about? And he said, well, you know, this guy's trying to recruit my players in the middle <laughs> of a practice. And he said, just so you know, two of those kids already play on this particular program. Wow. And the guy's response was, and it's a big, big local program he goes, well, he can play on our program too. I mean, they could play on multiple teams. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I, I would oh. encourage everybody to look at the program. What, what is their agenda? What's their goal? How are they going to help, help your child further develop so that he's positioned for right. that collegiate ball, right? Well, and- that, that Juco or, you know, maybe right. possibly doing a fifth year to develop physically. Well, and this is where I think Angels does it so well, where, yeah, we, we want to help you as a baseball player, but damn it, we also want to help you grow as a, as a young man. And, you know, we're going to offer you some resources that will help you in not just, you know, the baseball field, but how to be, you know, a solid citizen and how to be a good teammate and, and things like that. That's the thing I think so many people think, you know, it's going to be just talent alone that's going to get you to the next level. And I know, uh, having covered baseball for years at different levels here in the city and, and beyond, that that's not necessarily the case. It is not the most talented players that always go on and uh, are picked first or are highly touted or recruited. It doesn't work that way. It, it ha- You have to have more than just the skill. And that's where the yeah. program that you're a part of and your parents and your upbringing and, and how you approach the game and the respect you give to everybody you know, the hustle on and off the field, the picking up trash in the dugout. You know, people think these are minor things that, you know, nobody cares about. No, they do. And and coaches see this and, and they recognize it. And those players are going to be the players that will, you know, eventually move on. And maybe they won't become, you know, D1 stars or, or highly touted prospects or drafted, but they're going to have people skills to look back on from their time in baseball. And that to me is also very, very important. For sure. I mean, look, talent opens doors. Yeah. What what gets that door closed with you in that room is your character, your intangibles, mm-hmm. the way you carry yourself. Who are you when nobody's looking? Yep. Right. Don't tell me how how you really are. Let me see when nobody's looking what you really are. Right. You know, those are the things that help keep you. Those are the things that make you sticky. Look, those programs have to win. Right. So they need. They need good character. They need to know that the, the kids at the college level, like, hey, you've got enough talent to play here. That's cool, right? There's not enough scholarships for everybody. Right. 
right? So can your parents afford to pay? Like, look, can you get into school? Okay, let's let's just take that off the table. You're mm-hmm. in school. Can you can you play at this level? Okay, you can play at this level. Can you pay? Can your parents afford to pay for you at this level? And then, are you a character guy? Are you a culture guy? Right. Are you going to be a guy that comes in here and helps raise the bar, or are you going to be a guy that comes in here and I got to worry about you? Like, we get you on board, and then I got to worry that your character really isn't what we thought. You're not going to school, and I'm got a roster spot I got to, you know, replace. Right. You know, there's plenty of those guys that start to smell themselves a little too soon. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that changes things. Uh, you have to be a good, you know, be, being a good culture guy, having a higher, higher motor, being a grinder. Like, those are things that guys look for. Not, not every kid on that 31, 32, 34-man roster is, is a stud. Right. But, but there's kids in there that are willing to work really, really hard to get better, put in the extra work, you know, doing things, going and getting a, you know, personal trainer, getting a dietitian. They're just doing different things to keep them in check, to build, you know, good behavior. Yeah. You know, those things that, those are the things you want to look for when you look at a program, right? What, what are the intangible things that's going to help my kid with? Right. How's it going to help prepare them for that? Being a student athlete's arguably one of the most difficult things you can do. I mean, it's a, you get into some of these programs, it's a full-time job. Oh, 100%. I mean, then you got to jockey the education and they care. You know, every one of these kids that, you know, came back over the, over the winter, he's the, the, basically the freshman that came back. Right. The first thing they talked about was how important the school was, the schooling was, yeah. how important time management was. You yeah. Know, those are the things that are important. Be, just, just being a really, stud athlete that's going to open some doors for you but again might be a great ride small percentage of you are going to get to the next level it's it's the intangibles that help you have have an opportunity to maximize your experience chris what have you seen with angels um and and any anywhere else for that matter that what traits are you seeing that the kids that go on to succeed what are they exhibiting? Is it, you know, obviously being a good ball player, and you've kind of hit on this a little bit already, but what else? When when a college recruiter or a coach is, is coming out to a showcase, what do you think they're looking to see? You know, it isn't always necessarily exit velocity and pop time and all that. You know, what you else sure? are they? What else? <laughs> well, depending. Uh, but what else We can bring that for? back into the daily news, you know? <laughs> yeah, the pop. I would love the uh, sabermetrics in, in the uh, daily sabermetrics news. published in yeah. the game. Forget the check, box. Score. Check that out. Um, well, it's funny. I had somebody asking me about game scores the other day and what that means, and I was showing them there's all these different formulas on how to figure it out. There's an old one. There's a new Bill James one. Um, and then you got uh, what you have uh, different weighted the weighted index levels of every play in a game, and I was trying to explain that to somebody. I think sabermetrics are great. I also think that they that's another area where people are like, what is a VORP? Like, what is that? Or WOBA, right? I think you lose people with that. But, you know, so aside from pop time, um, what are some of the traits that you're seeing through Angels and other places? Hey, these these are the skills that college coaches and others are looking for you to exhibit. If you had to pick three, what would they be? Oh, man. Certainly be hustle. Uh, you know, uh, certainly would be hustle. I think that's a huge one, the way you come on and off the field, the way you, you, you maneuver your body, the way you carry yourself uh, with the ups and downs, right? Right. Um, which kind of goes to character, right? So I'd say hustle character. Um, 
and and then really it's it's that first impression you know when you get an opportunity to meet somebody do you shake their head friendly do you look them in the eyes mm-hmm. you know are, are you prepared for that conversation or are you kind of like uh, 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 <laughs> let me ask my mom right yeah like can somebody bail me out here or hey listen i gotta go answer a snap tweet or whatever that is a snap um, tweet yeah like it's I really think it comes down to hustle, you know, your character, you know, the, what, what you display out on the field. I mean, look, you're not a, you're not a finished product. And yeah. to think that any of these programs are going to make you a finished product, you're crazy. Right. So yeah. any, any buyer of a, a program, you're, you're never going to be a finished product. They're trying to get you positioned to show what your projectability is. And I think that's really the big thing, right? So when you look at high school, you look at, look at the summer programs, you look at these club type programs, it's how do you get a person to see what your projectability is, right? If you've got the other two, they're probably going to be willing to look at that. You know, if you're a pitcher and you're touching 86, 87, what's the projectability? Is that kid fully grown? Can he right. put on some weight? You know, is he, is he a little light on his frame, but he's got, you know, good fundamentals, right? Can he, can he, replicate time after time can he can he hit his spots can we with our strength and conditioning and and you know can we get him to that next level right i i think projectability has a ton of that because a lot of kids aren't aren't fully through puberty even at the end of high school they're just not there yet right the maturity on boys is late you know the other can you can you talk to them and 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 do they make an adjustment how do they respond to their coach right i've seen plenty of yeah really talented kids and then they, you know coach wants to say something and they're looking away and they couldn't be any any more selfish sure right? um what are they willing to do to help the team you know like are they a team player but i, I personally i think it's hustle i think it's character you know i think it's projectability um and then i think it's the the team component you know what do everybody you... wants to talk about individual success but did right. I did I do something to help the team? What do you tell Chris the 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 athletes or the parents that come in and uh, you know think D one or bust for my career as a college player? Yeah, so so um, I've been part of quite a few of those conversations, and we've we've had quite a few different uh, I would say Zoom chats with with uh, kids in the program and and college coaches at various programs and you know, from D1 to D3 and, and even the JUCOs that we've had on, like, don't, you don't have to be enamored by the number behind the D. Like, mm-hmm. look, most of us aren't going into the, the office anymore. We don't have to slam around the water cooler and be like, hey, Jimmy got in. He's a D1 player, right? <laughs> like, that's cool. Jimmy's probably never seeing the field, right? Like, Not with the size of these rosters and COVID right? protocols and rules, yeah, not I mean, now. It, it's tough, right? But, like, people get enamored by that. And you start to think, and, and it didn't, you know, didn't make sense to me at first, you know, eight, eight, eight years ago, my kids weren't even close to that. Um, but here in the conversation, and, and the more I see it, the more I get it. Where do you want to be if something goes wrong, right? What if you get injured? Right. Is this a school that you can finish? Is this going to maximize your academic opportunity? Is this where you want to be? Does this coach, right? Think about this one. Is this coach match the philosophy of my the way i've been raised the mm-hmm. way i've been coached yeah. you know he's going to be my figure right mom and dad sorry a couple hours away hour away whatever um maybe a plane ride away but sure. like is this going to be somebody that is going to help my child 
develop into a, uh, you know, a young man like right. that when he, when he's, he's going to need that, that person that he can have that conversation with or, you know, I think that's super important. You know, yeah. lots of times people, you know, they get enamored by the name and figure, well, well, you know, Timmy and Johnny are super smart. Like my boys can get in there, but your boys can't play there. Right. They're, they're solid, but they're not a, they're not a D one player. That's okay. There's plenty of other programs. I mean, you don't have to go to a D one to still make it into the, into no. the draft. No. You know, well, and arguably some of the smaller schools, you could beat some of those bear schools. Oh, Their 100%. Rock solid. 100%. Well, and that's, that's the other part of this too, where, all right, so you've made it to the D one school and you know, their rosters are hovering around 38, 40 right now, I think. And most of the D one programs, you know, unless you're an absolute stud, you're going to be sitting on the bench for a year or two with minimal time, you know, cause you're going to be blocked right. because there's other players that are just better or they're upperclassmen flip that around. You look at some of the D two D three programs, you get more playing time. You know, maybe you can slide in as a freshman and, and still make a, a solid contribution or be in the everyday lineup. So you need to think, right. hey, do I want to, you know, I don't want to say waste, but have a season where, you know, I get five at bats and, you know, see minimal playing time. Or do I want to, you know, maximize my playing time at the college level? And and maybe a D2 or D3 school does that for me where I can make more of an, an immediate impact. There's, there's a great... Um, clip and I can't, I wish I could recall off the top of my head who it was, but you know, are you working while you're waiting? Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go to one of those programs, is this the first time you've ever been part of a program that you've had to really work to get into that spot? I mean, most D1 programs have 11 and three quarter or 11 and a half yeah. scholarships, right? Um, you're not playing if you're, if you're not, you're not a guaranteed, you know, starter Mm-mm. if they don't have money tied up in you, right? Yeah. Like they've got to win. So you, you could be the guy, but are you going to be, do you understand how to, how to show that work ethic and, and outwork those guys? Right. Right. Like, and it, it's a grind. Like if you're not prepared for that, you could fall off. Right. Totally. Like, man, this is, this is a bummer. Like the uniform's cool. I don't want to be a uniform guy. I want to <laughs> be a guy that when a coach grabs a card, like my name goes on the card. Right. You know, I don't want to have to be that guy. That's like, Hey coach, I'm still sitting down here. You want to put me in? <laughs> like, you know, where am I at on the depth chart here? Yeah, I mean, look, every program's got them, right? Kids right. that are happy to get a uniform, kids that you know want to be part of something, kids that really want to get out there and win and grind. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, and and you want to be, if you want to play at the next level, you gotta be willing to work. You, you gotta be willing to be a grinder. Chris, what can we do? as coaches and as parents of children in, in the, the region to grow the game and, and potentially make it better, right? I mean, I am a firm believer in, you know, my father instilled love of, of baseball in me at a young age. I played it all the way up through college. Um, you know, it was it's a part of me. It's in my DNA, obviously, with what I do now, and I know it's same for you. You know, and I'm a big believer of you take something, you make it better, you know, then how you found it and how can we do that with baseball? What sort of things do you think we can do um, as coaches or parents to, to maybe help engage more children or, or just make the game better, uh, you know, put it in a better place than it was when we got here. Well, that's a, 
Interesting. Interesting. Multi-part, right? So like, <laughs> I, I think the big thing is coaches, volunteers, you know, in the, in the youth program, that's, that's where you got to grow the number. Right. Right. My biggest concern is the the herd's getting thin. Um, and that's because it's, it's suffering at the lower levels. And I think it's, it requires more people to invest some time to help connect the dots for these kids in the game. Right. Everybody wants to play. Um, right. Make practice fun, but practice. You can't show up with a glove that's not broken in and, and not know where shortstop is and want to play a game. Um, right. At the youth level, that you've got to really focus. I think the youth programs have to get away from this uh, play, 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 tournament, 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 um, and work fundamentals and and give the give you know give the kid that's you know nine, ten, eleven that's not the super talent stud. Uh, an opportunity to develop. I yeah. think we, I think we cut a lot of kids out because I've seen some of those kids, fourteen and fifteen, man, came into their body. They're coordinated. They have a passion for the game because they had to work harder to be like, you know, Timmy and Tommy. Right and now, Timmy and Tommy plateaued. Right, they can't figure out how to get to the next level because they never had to work as hard. And I think, you know, from a parental perspective, let the kids play the game. Let them play the yeah. game. Let them enjoy it. You know, you know they, they don't have to go four for four. They, they, you know, that's awesome. But, like, let them enjoy the game. Let them learn from the mistakes. Help them through it. Right. You know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. You're, you're not, you know, 99.9% of us aren't raising the next MLB star. No, we don't right? have Mickey let Mantle it, in our house. No. Right. Let it evolve. Right. Let it evolve. Enjoy the ride for whatever it may be. You know, it's... I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, if, if you're going to coach and you're going to volunteer, coach all 12 kids, coach all 14 kids, whatever. Absolutely. Be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy. I've, I've seen time and time again, it's easy to coach the kids that are more talented, mm -hmm. but getting a kid that's less talented to be successful is a huge win. And then yeah. if you can get those other kids to understand the importance of that and then celebrate it with them, Man, you've done something special. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, Chris. And I, I, I tell parents before the season begins, you know, my success is based on the fact that your son signing up next year and you know playing. And you know, did they have fun this year? And did they learn? You know, it's not necessarily did we you know obliterate the opponent. It's it's all right. Did we you know did we have fun here? And did we you know. Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. Did we, you know, execute on the field? Did we follow the fundamentals? Um, you know, that's definitely a part of it. It's not just everybody go out and get your trophy. I, I don't subscribe to that mindset, but it is important to think, all right, are you continuing to play the sport? And if so, you know, I feel like then, then did I've succeeded somewhat as, as a coach and, you know, it's, it's really sad, uh, you know, and I feel like so much of tonight has been negative, but there's a lot of positives too. Um, oh, but what, absolutely. One of the things, you know, PIAA, I'm involved with the umpiring and, uh, you know, our chapter in Abington, you know, we're, we're struggling and um, struggling in numbers. And part of it is it comes back to this idea. And you mentioned this of, of volunteerism. And it isn't just on the coaching side where there's less and less people volunteering to, to get involved. It's also on the umpiring side. And look, you could have two great teams. You need an umpire there. You need an umpire to, to make this happen. And, you know, 
you want to talk about a, uh, you know, I, I can think of many other things that are, um, you know, more glamorous than umpiring. Um, that is a tough gig. You're not paid really at all um, or very little. And you just got people chirping at you left and right that think they know more than you all the time. My, my favorite's the, the guy <laughs> that's all the way out in left field that's been drinking for a while and he knows the strike zone. Yeah. Right? Like I've been behind the dish and you uh-huh. hear that guy and you're just like, oh man. Yeah. Like, the sad thing is you're right. <laughs> As the numbers shrink, you know, the number of umpires are shrinking, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've got guys that are getting stretched trying to do multiple games. Um, there isn't as many new new guys willing to umpire. They don't want the headache. No, and it's, know, it's, it's a very older – and, again, I am not speaking out of turn. I, I think many of my umpire brothers would agree to this, and, and it's, they say this. They're older. Like, it's – you know, I – I would venture to guess the average age is probably 55-ish, maybe a little bit younger than that, um, you know, for, for umpiring. And it's, I mean, it isn't, it's it's void of the younger generation, the younger people getting involved. And it isn't sustainable long-term. It's just not. It's not. It, it's, it's not. But, you know, most people shy away from it. It's like when you ask people at the youth level to, you know, hey, we want to help you. You know, we want you to coach. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with the parents. Right. You know, and, and, you know, if we can do anything, we take stress off some of those people, try to help blossom the game and, and grow it. But, you know, that could be a huge problem. Yeah. You know, like having good quality umpires. And, and, and when I say quality, it's it's letting the game be played, knowing the rules, calling it for what you see. Don't insert yourself. You no, know, people we, aren't there to see you. that one. Right. right. Nobody came to see you. Uh, that's my yeah. favorite line. Yep. Nobody came here to see you today. Right. Yeah. They came here to watch kids play, you know, in a college showcase. And you got a guy back there dancing all around. You're like scratching your head going, <laughs> all right, buddy. You know, yeah. But it's, there's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not an easy thing. And, and, and there's some great people that do it, right. There's, there's some really good folks that do it. They do a really good job. Absolutely. You know, nobody, talk, nobody talks about them though. Right. Everybody gets that, that clip of what went wrong. Um, nobody gets the clip of the guy getting it right. You know, and look, even the guys at the MLB level, they make mistakes. I mean, you know, they're <laughs> so quick as a society now to crucify everything. Um, that's part of the game. It is. And, and this could yeah. be a whole another podcast. I don't want to get into it tonight, but that whole idea of robo umpires and getting rid of the human element. Look, I'm fully aware that there's going to be some screwed up calls. I've made screwed up calls. Everybody that umpires make screwed up calls. I do not, as a fan, though, want a robo umpire calling balls and strikes. I, I want the human element to it. You know, I always sit here and think, what would Ty Cobb do right now? What would Jimmy Fox do? What would, what would uh, you know, Al Simmons do? What would these great players do if we're sitting there saying we're going to have robots as umpires, larger bases, ghost runners? Seven inning double headers. I, mean, I think we should go to pitcher's poison too. <laughs> right? I mean, like, it, it's just getting it's getting a little bit a little bit wild. Thankfully, some of that, like the seven inning double headers, they've gotten rid of. Um, yeah. But the robo umpires, I'm I'm really worried about that. I mean, pitch clock, fine, whatever. I don't care. No one follows that thing anyway. It sits there. I'm sitting there. Get, at, yeah. I'm sitting there in the press box at Citizens Bank Park. Every game, I'll sit there for at least an inning or two and, and see jot down the time that it takes, you know, a pitcher to get the ball to the mound. And you got the the clock <laughs> right above the, the wall of fame to the left. 
and nobody follows it. And there's no, you know, no one trying to even like, all right, let's hurry this up. So I'm not concerned about that rule. Um, I was up in arms about the intentional walk being an automatic walk. I, I hated that. I still do. I feel like that those are four balls that need to be thrown. Um, yeah, I mean, hang one over and see if see if my see if the batter will reach out and touch totally. it. Totally, or a wild it's happened pitch. Happened numerous times. Come on, it has, and, and that's I don't want baseball to lose that. But yeah, that's that's probably a whole other conversation about rules and stuff. Um, Chris, one last question here um, from the youth perspective, right? Is it better as a parent, uh, you know, to to have your child play multiple sports, or are you of the mindset just do one? And this is it, or do two, and this is it. What I mean, we live in this time where everything is so, uh, you know, fractured, and you do so many different things. And I was at Taekwondo earlier tonight, and then I got to swim <laughs> on Sunday for my son. So, like, I know how that goes as a parent. Um, you know, is there value in that? Do you see? And and what do you see with angels? Is are, are a lot of the athletes you're working with were they multi-sport at some point, or are they still multi-sport right now? You know, it, it, it's definitely interesting, and I think it, it depends per kid, right, like what their level of commitment is. But um, there's value in playing multiple sports. They, I, I really do. I mean, it's, a lot of times it's, it's different muscle development, different skills, right? Look at, look at what you do in basketball versus baseball. Right. Uh, look what you do in football versus baseball. Um, at some point, though, you generally start to narrow down. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of kids. I mean, look at Lonnie White from Malvern, right? Mm-hmm. There's a kid that I believe got drafted, uh, was a Penn State recruit for a running back, mm-hmm. um, played multiple sports all through high school, right? Like, there's plenty of those guys um, out there. It's it's not right for everybody, but I think limiting the younger kids um, is probably the wrong thing, personally. Um, I think it's good for them to to get an experience, get exposure to different things. Um, right. I think, I think the challenge is when you're trying to do multiple sports year round, Sure, um, that's ruining sports, right? Like kids play soccer year round. Kids can play baseball year round too. Uh, basketball is another one, but like, how do you jockey that? Like, right. I think it's good if you're playing here and playing there, but when you're trying to do it all at the same time, yeah, I think you're just burning the kid out. Um, and at that point, I, I question whether it's really about the kid's passion for all three sports at the same time or two sports at the same time, or it's the, right. you know, the, the parent feeling like, Hey, I gotta do this or do that. Um, but I, I think from a skill development, I think it's good, you know, right. but I, I, as you get into high school, that number, that, that narrows down a bit. It's funny growing up again, uh, you know, down in Juniata in, in Philadelphia and, you know, we played, you'd have baseball, you'd have soccer, you'd have basketball, and that was it, right? You'd have those three. There was uh, a few of us that would go and, and do hockey. Um, and then as I got into high school uh, at North Catholic, no longer around, but we would have lacrosse was like the big thing. Everyone started to play lacrosse at that point. Now, you know, especially in the suburban areas, you have lacrosse, you got field ho- or not field hockey, um, what is it? Lacrosse, uh, flag football, flag football's out there. Flag and, football, my favorite. I mean, I saw signs for for a rugby team up here in Warrington, and it's sort of like, wait, what? What are we? We we have children's rugby now. Um, so I think that also is throwing another wrench into. You look at little league enrollments and see they're down a little bit, and it's like, well, there's yeah. so many other. You know, I'm going to have little Timmy signing for rugby. 
Well, and again, that's, I mean, I think that's it. There's so many things. Youth sports is a huge business. Yeah. Right? I mean, keyword business. Yeah. Business, right? I mean, look at the baseball programs in this, in this area from a youth perspective. There's, there's three types, right? You still have your rec program, you know, mm-hmm. your city rec programs. You've got your little league, which is big dollars. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got, you know, the anti little league, which is Cal Ripken. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where does it, you know, what, it's, it's definitely unique. You know, there's lots of choices, you know, and people want to, I like this one better than that one. And this one jockeys my schedule so we could do that. <laughs> um, you know, that, for me, it's a head scratcher. I mean, I'm, I'm already stretched with four running in different directions and sure. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine trying to layer another sport in. I mean, my one plays hockey and that thing seems to never end. You know, it's the only thing I've ever done where I've signed a contract that's over 10 pages for a youth athlete. And I think I have no rights at the end of the day. <laughs> They're all going to be barstool athletes anyway. What's the point? You know? Well, yeah. I mean, hey, look, at the, you know, when they're, when, they're, when they're done, they're done, right? I think they all realize <laughs> right. where that's going to stop. But have fun, man. You're yelling at to be a kid once. Yeah. No, absolutely. And this last thing I'll say is just um, – from the parents' perspective, and, and I'm very blessed. My father was not, not this way with me. My father was a much, much better ball player than I was. But you know, this idea of of trying to live vicariously through your children, it's just um, please don't do it. Please don't sign your son or daughter up for youth sports and think uh, you know put all the pressure on them, thinking that you know it's you, you know, thinking that I'm going to live yeah, through. They're, they're not going to, yeah. They're not going to replicate what you were doing. No, you know, like let and them be. It's okay. Right. Push them to succeed, but don't, don't try to, it's not a joystick, right? Like, no, they're, it, they're not. It's not you your PlayStation or Xbox. <laughs> right. You, know, you can't emulate it. It's, yeah, it's, for, it's, yeah. It's, and that's, that's the biggest thing. Let them enjoy it and they'll play more. You'd be surprised. Take yeah. Take the parental pressure off. Absolutely. You know, get them to a ball game. <laughs> well, you take them out. At the very least, take them out take to a ball, ball game. Take them to a ball game. And it seems like that team down in South Philly that plays at Citizens Bank Park could be uh, a team to see this summer. So definitely take them out. Chris, where can people follow you or find you or email address for Angels? Uh, What's the deal? How can they do all this? Yeah, so find us on the web at www.angels-aim.com. Com. Okay. Um, you know, email address is uh, C Stasic, uh, S T A S U K at angels aim.com. Awesome. Chris, look, I greatly appreciate your time, man. It's, it's Julie talking to you as always about this. And, you know, it's fun. Like, I, I, I talk to so many different uh, coaches and players. It, it's cool to talk to somebody who, isn't affiliated with a college program and kind of has some insights at the youth level, you know, to just kind of, you know, spitball back and forth about some of these, these things. And, uh, you know, one of my biggest pushes is to try as much as possible to grow the game in the area. And I feel like conversations like this um, are important. We, we need to have these sort of things, you know, these round tables, if you will, even though it's just two of us to talk about yeah. how can we make this game better? And what are some of the drawbacks right now? What are some of the pitfalls and uh, look, n- neither one of us by ourselves can do it. It's going to take a lot more people, uh, a lot of volunteers getting involved. But this awareness is important. And I think just um, you know having these conversations is good. So I appreciate you taking the time and being here, buddy. Yeah, hey, th- thanks a lot. I mean, and 
you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. Happy, happy to do it. We live in such a great, uh, you know, great area that there's so many uh, quality high school, uh, club, college programs that you could drive and see a game. You know, go check it out. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You, you probably on any weekend in the Philadelphia region or not, you know, assuming somebody's home, you're not more than 30 minutes away from, you know, a college game. And whether that's, you know, up here at Delaware Valley or you're going to see Cabrini or you're going down to Penn, who's getting a new uh, new stadium shortly, getting their, their stadium taken care of and remodeled. Um, I mean, there's so many good things to do. And even at the high school level, there's yeah, some fantastic some programs ball. here. Yep. Yeah, some fantastic yeah, programs. We get uh, we get the sun in the sky and and, and warm up the ground a little, and you know, here to crack at a bat. There we go, Chris. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, man. Thank you. Enjoy your night.